Welcome to today's podcast brought to you by MarketScale. I'm Sean Heath, and today's conversation lets me have a few minutes with Jennifer Ruskin, the owner of Growth Spurt Sales and Marketing. Jennifer, how are you today? I'm wonderful. How are you, Sean? I'm doing quite well. Now, I'm in a really good mood today, so we're going to start off with an easy question. <laughs> give me give me a little bit of how you got where you are. Just tell me a little bit of the story, the life and times of Jennifer Ruskin up to today. Oh, my. Okay. Let's start at Walmart because that's really where everything began. I spent seven years at Walmart pretty much my entire, all through my 20s. And after I had my second child, I came back after my maternity leave and I looked up from my blue cubicle walls and I thought there's got to be more to life than these cubicle walls, than, than what I've experienced thus far in my 20s. And I was just about to hit 30 and I was having heart palpitations. I was probably doing five different people's jobs. And that last position that I had within Walmart, my team worked directly for the CEO. So he would look up and say, hey, I don't like this particular thing. You guys go fix it. And so I felt like I had a very visible job that was very, very stressful. I really believe in living in abundance and I believe in manifesting the life of your dreams. And so I kind of just sat in my cubicle and I kept thinking, what do I want to be? What do I want to do? I don't know that I want to work for anybody else, but maybe I'm not ready for that yet. So I spiffed up my LinkedIn and a couple months later, Nature's Path Organic Food, they sell cereal, granola. They're in that cereal space, that breakfast space. They found me on LinkedIn and offered me a job to work from home, which was perfect at that space in my life. I just had the second baby, had a three-year-old at home, and I really wanted more time with my kids. So I took the job, worked from home, got a nanny, and then every quarter was flying to Vancouver, Canada. It was kind of a dream job. I did a lot of yoga, and I had gotten my MBA about a year before leaving Walmart. And a little bit into this position, I'd say about a year, a year and a half in, I'm like, oh my God, my brain is just turning to mush. Like, I can't do any more yoga. <laughs> I'm ready to go off on an adventure that really challenges me. And so I thought, well, I'm selling granola and granola bars to Walmart. Why can't I sell bicycles or outdoor living supplies or food or something else in the food space um, or apparel? And so I decided I'm going to open up my own brokerage firm. So with starry eyes, I left Nature's Path Organic Food and opened up Growth Spurt Sales and Marketing. And the first year was excruciatingly hard. I always want to tell this part of the story because you don't just wake up and make a half a million dollars in a year. I mean, it was really, really hard, like government assistance hard, pounding doors hard, 60 to 80 hours a week hard. And when I got to the end of that first year, I looked back and I realized I need to do some things differently. I can't take on any client just because they're breathing and they have a pulse. I can't not charge an engagement fee and only work on commissions anymore. This old brokerage firm model just doesn't work. And so I started to change some things and ask for engagement fees and raise my commissions. And slowly by slowly, I started to build my business. If we fast forward, let's say three, three and a half years later, by then I have a pretty nice business with Walmart. It's not huge, but it's pretty good. And I realized, oh my God, the industry is changing so quickly. 
not only is there really long lead times into getting a product into Walmart, getting that commission and really making money on a client, but times are changing within retail and my buyers are starting to ask me questions for my clients like, where is this particular product listed? Are there sales? Most importantly, are buyers even looking for your client's products? And whenever they are, come back to me. So I decided to use Amazon as kind of this launch pad. So I added Amazon services to my business and I took clients and put them first in Amazon where I could get first page rankings and then go back to my Walmart buyers. And then I was getting yeses, lots of yeses from my buyers. So that became the model that I started to, um, to move forward with. Last December, I hired someone that is an ex-Amazon, Amazonian is what they call him. And he worked directly for Jeff Bezos. This man has the secret sauce of Amazon and was helping me take my Amazon clients into the top five rankings in their, in their particular keyword. So let's say soap, top five in soap. Uh, wipes, top five in wipes. And that's when I grew my business from 50,000 a year to 500,000 a year in just 12 months. And that's where I am today. So I, I just want to take a brief moment to congratulate you, but also Thanks. to point out something that I hope that you eventually realized. It sounds like your story really started to take the proper turn towards success when you started to value yourself mm. at the appropriate level. When you stop just accepting commissions, when you realized, hey, what I do is valuable, I'm worth mm -hmm. this, that's when it, it seems like that was almost like a, a turning point. And I think, I bet a lot of your clients, if they listen to what you tell them, they get to experience that same sort of aha moment. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's very true. And, you know, that doesn't ever go away. You know, I still have to battle the, well, why can't you just work for commission only? Or why don't you just, um, everyone else does it. That's a big one that I hear all the time. Everyone else just works for commission. Why do you charge engagement fees? Or why do you charge a monthly retainer? And I can now successfully come back and say, because I'm good at what I do. And here are success stories. In fact, here's pages of success stories. Here's 40 clients, 50 clients that we have that are all making money. And now I can co go back to that and then say, now this is why we charge money because we're good, right? We charge up front. So yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. It was that coming to Jesus moment of this is no longer working. I have to change this model. And if everyone else doesn't change, that's fine. But I'm going to make the decision to do it that totally turned my business around. You know, there's a saying that uh, a smart person can hit a target that most people can't hit, but a genius can hit a target that most people can't even see. And <laughs> I think having, I think having confidence in yourself and stepping out of the hatch of the spaceship, so to speak, and saying, okay, here we go. I can do this. Whether you know you can do it or not. You know, Teddy Roosevelt has a, a really famous quote where he says, if a man asks you if you can do a job, say yes, and then get started learning how to do it. And, <laughs> and so you have, a, you have a very interesting sort of space that you occupy in mm -hmm. that you are a, I want to say you're almost like a translator 
or an ambassador between these companies and the sales platforms and their customers, uh, you, you are, I guess you could say that you started out as a private label company until people figured out who you were. And now you're not privately, you're still private label, but your, your success and the skills that you have aren't exactly secrets anymore. That's sort of a, an industry shift too, isn't it? Private labels are really starting to, they really seem to be starting getting some traction. They are. And I think more than ever, private label is really important. If we're talking about brands and retail, private label is more important than ever before because of the competition that Amazon has put on the market. We are seeing um, pricing compression like never before. And so these everyday commodity or everyday brands that we're used to, these PNGs, right? They're everywhere. You can now have them delivered to your doorstep for the same price that you would walk into a Walmart for free and within two business days. So I think Target has done a really amazing job building private label brands that are now a destination. Like I think about Archer Farms. Target gets women and they've become a solution and a destination for women, right? So I love that I can go into Target go into the coffee section and the Archer Farm selections will be something, something really yummy and kind of different, like pumpkin spice latte with a splash of vanilla, right? And we're looking at other retailers, like let's say Walmart, and we just don't see great selection or we haven't so far in the private labels section seen anything as appealing as what Target has done. With the pricing compression that's happening on Amazon, I think it's more important than ever for retailers to provide a unique destination outside of what you could already get on Amazon. So we're starting to see that with Walmart. Um, every buyer meeting that I have been going to over the last 12 months, I'd say six months, let's be conservative, over the last six months has, has ended in a conversation about private label from any category that you can even imagine. And I do a lot in feminine hygiene, feminine care, family planning, food, camping even, the selections and the products that I have in Walmart, there, our conversations are ending in a, oh, and how do you feel about doing private label in this space too? Which is pretty interesting. Well, I have to say that seems to be kind of the smart um, evolution of commerce because it mm -hmm. seems like for so long, advertising has been telling me, hey, you need to buy this thing. We have designed right. this thing this way and you should buy it. But it seems like with the sort of the, the incredible explosion of online purchasing and the change in the brick and mortar retail experience or ecosystem, it seems like companies are starting to take the approach that, huh, I wonder what the customer would like to buy and then approaching it oh, from that direction, right? right? Mm -hmm. And we've been very siloed in that space. For example, let's just talk about Walmart for a minute. The Walmart buyer makes the decision for the customer on behalf of the customer of what will go on shelf, right? And then they're constrained even more by space allocation. So I only have 12 slots to put the K-cups in, so I can only have six or 12, um, maybe if I want to double face six of a particular flavor. 
And then the shopper has to go into the store, get their cart, go over to the K-Cups, and then they have to choose just within the this, this six or the 12 flavors that may be on shelf. And the beautiful thing about e-com and no shelf space, right? It's really all how much can Amazon or any of these other e-commerce platforms cram into their warehouses or even drop ship, which is such an interesting factor too. All of a sudden, it's unlimited possibility. And so now we're seeing the reverse happen where the shopper is telling the retailer what they want. No, I don't want those six or 12 flavors. I want option number 25. I want pumpkin spice latte with a splash of vanilla. Oh, and I might also want a splash of coconut, right? It's just a really interesting dynamic that's happening right now. You know, that's really, it it almost has sort of an echo of a business model that Dell originally started. Um, When Dell first started out, they decided that their business model was going to be store parts Mm -hmm. in tractor trailers outside their um, construction sort of areas. So they would not actually buy a motherboard for a computer until they sold the computer as a pre-order to a customer so that that motherboard Mm. was paid for before it was ever unloaded off of the truck into the loading dock at Dell's headquarters. And in doing so, they're able to not invest in something that they might not ultimately sell, that they might have to eat cost-wise, but that also allowed them to be more flexible in listening, oh, what are the customers buying? What are they, what do they want? And then that sort of allowed them to be more flexible. And it seems like that is, is the approach that, that a lot of companies are going to have to start taking if they want to succeed. So that's where you come in. You get to help them realize, well, you could go about it this way. Or maybe you could do it this way with a splash of vanilla. And (laughs) so that. Exactly. But here's the thing. You can't be everywhere at once. So I have heard a little whisper that you're actually looking at a software solution, which will actually help you be in more places at one time. Mm. Is that true? Yes, it's actually a software solution that helps manage or even wrangle, right? Like you're in Texas, we can use the word wrangle, and I'm in Arkansas. Absolutely. We understand wrangling, right? Yes, ma'am. So it's right now, every single e-commerce platform, so let's just talk about e-com for a minute. Every single e-commerce platform is completely different. So when I'm a large brand and I want to make a price change or I'm going to make an ingredient change or um, anything to that nature, I have to go to every single unique e-com platform and make that change on every single item that it's applicable. It's, it's unbelievably hard to wrangle. So what the software solution is going to do for us and give it is give us one dashboard where we can click a button and say, nope, we want the pricing to be this. Or even here's parameters that I don't want the system to go above or below, but you can play within these parameters of price. Maybe it's between $15 and $7.50 and anywhere that the system needs to raise or decrease the pricing to remain competitive and get the buy, we, we allow that solution to happen. So it's more of a kind of a robot to robot approach Versus what we're doing today, which is very hands-on, very labor-intensive, and also subject to um, maybe uh, maybe subject to um, not catching something or doing something wrong or incorrectly. For example, 
on Amazon, it's really easy to accidentally delete an item page. <laughs> it really is. Or that sounds like you might have image. some personal experience with that. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so it's so easy to accidentally do something wrong. And so with a software solution where we have machines talking to machines, it's a much easier, cleaner, um, done correctly approach. So that's what we're working on right now is within the next few weeks, we'll be launching a software system that can help wrangle the e-commerce world, as well as help help us to make better solutions and better, better decisions with um, the very limited number of things that actually need to be done in a day. <clears throat> so for example, today on Amazon, I have a team of seven. And we have 40 clients, 40, 50 clients. And we go through every single item page and make sure that we didn't lose a listing or we didn't lose an image or someone else hasn't taken control of that page, maybe a third party. All these different factors. Or are we competitive today in price? Or do we need to add some sort of ad solution to help increase sales? And all of those things will now be able to be ran by a software solution where you get up in the morning as an account manager, you look at your inbox, you get an email that says, hey, good morning, Serena, you have five things that you need to fix today or five things that need your attention. And then she can now go in and look at five things instead of 500 things that she needs to do that day to help manage her e-com. We it's are really fair, excited. It is fairly clear that you are a big proponent of the work smarter, not harder approach oh, to business and to life, right? And so I that's, uh, you know, you would think as logical as that is, you would think more people would approach things that way and they don't. And that's good for you. And, you know, maybe they learn eventually. But <laughs> in that approach, that also gives you time because you are more efficient and you're working smarter, not harder. It gives you a time to observe a little more clearly mm -hmm. and it gives you time. Be strategic. And to see trends and things that are mm. coming as a thought leader, which you obviously are in the industry, what are, what are one or two things that you really think without giving away the secret sauce, what are one or two things that you think, okay, this is, uh, this is going to be big. This is the next thing that's almost mm. unavoidable. Do you see one or two things and you think, wow. I think when I'm looking at a 30,000 foot view at retail versus versus online versus e-com, I think we're going to continue to see store, store closings. And I think most people would agree. Um, so I get these kind of like retail beats, like these emails every morning. And it's like, here's the top 10 trends of what's happening today. And I'm still seeing some things, some, some, some documents or some articles that will say, oh, no, we are actually opening stores. Clearly, we're not opening stores anymore. You know, even Walmart, even in our area, closed some distribution centers. They're laying off a 1,000 people this week alone. So we're going to continue to see brick-and-mortar retail not go away, but kind of shift and, and do some closings. We're going to continue to see sales boom more and more and more online. We are going to see more retailers adopt same-day delivery. And I think that will help save some brick and mortar. For example, just this morning alone, Target just announced that they are now doing same-day delivery. They bought, and I can't remember the name of the company because I just read it a few minutes before this call, but they have acquired a company that will do the same-day delivery, and they're starting today in about 50 different spaces. And then before the end of February, they'll be launching it like nationwide. They want to move so quickly on the same-day delivery space. 
that I think Walmart's going to have their head spinning and the other retailers are also going to be working as fast as they can to catch up. So I think 2018 is going to be an incredibly fast shift to same-day delivery. Um, and, and, and that even might put some pressure on Amazon because they've been in the lead, right? We're used to two-day delivery and that alone is amazing. But can you imagine same-day delivery in every market? Uh, there is, there will be, I will not have a problem with being able to have an Oreo cookie magically appear at my doorstep six <laughs> minutes after I decided I wanted one. I, I will not be upset. Or a glass of wine on a hard oh, day. Oh, absolutely. I won't be upset <laughs> that that's happening. So it seems like the brick and mortar stores are going to do one of two things. They are either going to realize that they need to transport form themselves into online entities or they will cease to be. It almost seems like that's the line in the sand. You either you either adapt or you're going to disappear. And I think if these companies are smart, they will learn to do that. And I think if they're really smart, they'll get you to help them. So thanks so much. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Today I have been speaking with the wonderfully talented, that's a good word and it's accurate, Jennifer Ruskin, the owner of Growthbert Sales and Marketing. Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know how busy you are, but I do appreciate your time. You're welcome. It's been fun. Thank you, Sean. I look forward to having a chance to talk to you again down the road. And like you, I will try to do even less yoga than I did yesterday. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.